Good morning. I'm going to continue on in 1 Corinthians. I think we made it up to 1 Corinthians 6. In this chapter, Paul has, is addressing an issue between two church members who had a disagreement and they couldn't settle it among themselves um, in a biblical way. You know, the Bible does give us directions on how to settle disagreements and uh, it's different for Christians than for people who are not Christians. If, if you're a Christian and you're having an issue between you and some, some other Christian, it should be handled within the church. The church should come together. The Bible tells us how to handle that. Uh, the church should be involved in those kinds of things. But what the Corinthians were doing was they just were suing each other in the uh, secular court. And uh, Paul was concerned about that. Paul was concerned because he was looking at the Corinthians and he said, he said, I see you saying one thing when you're in church together. I see you professing a belief in Jesus Christ, a belief in his teachings, but I don't see it being lived out in your life. That's always the problem, isn't it? That's the problem that we have as Christians. We, it's very easy to come together. Uh, somebody's standing up speaking on uh, some Bible verses. They're teaching on something, and you nod, yep, yep, that's, that's very true, that's, that's what the Bible says. And then we walk out the door, and we leave everything behind. We don't live out what we have, what we've learned. We don't live out what the Bible teaches in our everyday lives. That's where the rubber meets the road, is in our everyday lives. Our everyday lives, our relationships with our family members, our relationships with people that we work with, if we do business with other people in the community, you know, that, that, that our reputation in the community should reflect the fact that we are a Christian. The Corinthians were having a problem with that. So 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 11, does any one of you, when he has a case against his brothers, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the small law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? So if you have the law, if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account to the church? I say this to your to your shame. It is so that there is not among you is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brothers, but brothers go to law with brother, and that before unbelievers? Actually then it's already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits one for another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brethren. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, 
but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for your word that's living and powerful. We thank you for your word that changes us from the inside out, changes our hearts. We just pray that your word would penetrate our heart today and would do a work there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Paul was pointing out to them that the Corinthians were saying that they were wise people. They were saying that they were wise people. And so he was calling them out. He said, you say you're wise, so why aren't you wise enough to determine this case, this this situation that's going on between your brothers? Why can't you why are you going to the secular courts? Why are you suing each other? You should settle that within. There's a couple of reasons you should settle it within uh, the church. First of all, um, the church is your brothers and sisters, isn't it? You should be able to expect justice from your brothers and sisters. You should be able to expect them to treat you as the Bible teaches that you should be treated. You should be able to expect them to, to render a wise judgment. But they were just going to the secular courts. He says, why aren't you wise enough? He was, kind of, he was kind of needling them a little bit there. You know, he said, you say you're wise, but you're not doing this. So what's the problem there? You know, the Greeks loved litigation. The Greeks loved arguing. They loved, they loved uh, going to court was almost entertainment for them because they loved the arguments. They were proud of their perceived wisdom. They were so proud of that. You know, not only was Paul's background different from the Greeks, but he approached problems from a different perspective. Paul was thinking of the overall health of the church. He wasn't just thinking about the problem. The problem was secondary for Paul. The primary concern of Paul was the health of the church and their spiritual growth. The fact that they had to settle their problems in court was evidence of their spiritual immaturity that they weren't able to deal with problems themselves. It was proof that they were spiritually immature. Had they been mature, they would have said, they would have said, you know, this is a problem between a couple of people and let's deal with it as a church. You know, what does the Bible say? If you have an issue with your brother, you should go to your brother. You should talk to them. If you don't reach satisfaction that way, then go with some elders of the church and confront the brother and talk to them. Maybe I shouldn't use the word confront because that's uh, confrontational, isn't it? But we want to talk to them. We want to deal with our problems ourselves. There should be godly wisdom that's applied. What, what Paul mentioned there was, do you not know that you will judge angels? That, that is a scriptural thing. God's people will judge angels. Sometimes we feel like, oh, we're, you know, we're coming in, we're, we're uh, you know, we're going to, We're going to make it into the back door of heaven just by the skin of our teeth. The door's going to whack us in the backside when we get in, and and we'll just be glad to be in. But no, it's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you will have responsibilities. The Bible says you will be responsible for doing some things, and that's a part of it, is being a judge. You're going to be deciding things. Better get some practice while we're here. We need to get some practice on that. Paul was concerned about the spiritual growth of the church. He said that the least competent Christian is better than the secular world. Wow, that's saying something, isn't it? 
But you know, it's been a long time since I've had anything to do with court. But you know, I don't have confidence in in the court system. Do you? I don't have confidence in our political system. I don't even have confidence in our medical system anymore. Why would that be? Is because it's it's being it's being um, operated from a non-Christian point of view. It's being operated from a secular point of view. The wisdom is, is, uh, is a false wisdom. Yes, God gives doctors, God gives scientists wisdom. Where do you think that comes from? You know, the wisdom to, to do what they do. But it's not being applied in a Christian way. And so how can you have confidence in that? Paul was concerned about the reputation of those Christians in Corinth. He said that, he said that when you go to the court... It's a public situation. Now you've taken a situation that should have been private, should have been dealt with in the church, and now you're making a public spectacle out of it. And everyone knows that you're Christians. So the low esteem that people who are not Christians hold Christians in is just being supported. They will they look and they, they'll say, well, yeah, everything I ever said about a Christian, it's, it's true right there. You know, they're, they're complete hypocrites. They don't live out what they say. They don't. They don't live the the. Uh, they don't live the Christian life. And Paul is saying, when you take your dirty laundry and you air it in public like that, it doesn't put the church in a good light. So deal with your problems among yourselves. Work it out among yourselves. That's that's uh, still a matter of concern today because there's still people who are outside the church and. You know, they have views of Christians. And sometimes it's not very complimentary. And the reason is, is because people are not living out a Christian lifestyle when they leave the church. You know, they can hold it together on Sunday morning and then they leave, they leave the building and that's it for the week. You know, and that's not, that's not, that's not what the Lord told us to do. That's not living the Christian life. When we leave this place, we have to live out what it was that we've seen. People who are not Christians take delight in pointing out the, the, uh, the, the shortcomings of Christians. We have plenty. You know, none of us ever admit to being perfect. Um, you know, I, I believe I said last time, I said, you know, they accuse us of being hypocrites. Yeah, we are. We are hypocrites. We just might as well admit it. You know, we, we struggle to live the Christian life. It's, it's difficult it's difficult to live it, but we do what we can through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that God does a work in us from the inside out that is going to transform us into the image of Christ. It's a work in progress. We all admit that. You know, we, we don't hold ourselves up to being better than any, any other Christians, you know. Wow. That was weird. Okay. Uh, we're not super Christians. <clears throat> you know, we're not. So Paul's advice there, it's pretty relevant today. It's pretty relevant. You know, and Paul was not saying that there's never a time to go to court. There is. You know, Paul had, a, had an instance uh, where he had, a, had a treatment by Gallio, who was a deputy in Corinth, and, and he was involved in the court. And so it's not that there's never an occasion to use the, the uh, secular system, but it should, be, it should never be used frivolously. It shouldn't be used lightly. And if there's minor issues, minor problems between Christians, it needs to be dealt with in the church. Um, 
Paul was responding to, um, Paul preached a gospel of freedom. Paul preached a gospel of freedom for people who were slaves of sin. You know, when we were, before we were Christians, we were a slave to sin. We couldn't do anything but sin. It was just, it was like, it, it was it was a part of us. It was like we couldn't go through the day without having sinful responses to things. It was just a part of who, you know people like that, don't you? They're not Christians, and it's just like it's a part of their personality. Paul is saying that when you become a Christian, you're free. You're free from that. You can repent of that sin. You can turn to the Lord. You're forgiven for all of your past, and you can be embraced into the family of God. And that bondage that you had to sin is gone. You can choose to sin, but you're not bound to it. You're not, you're not, uh, it's almost like you're, you're involuntarily moved into sinful situations. And that's gone. You, you have a choice to make now. Now, now you can choose to live a God-honoring life, or you can choose to, to, you know, take, take a sinful detour. And it's not that, you know, if you take that sinful detour, it's not that you're gone forever. No, you're going to take a little detour and, and you're going to come back. But you have that choice. That, that's what Paul was talking about. It says we're free from sin. We're free from the law. Remember, we talked about how the law puts burdens on people. All the law did for the Jews was point out to them the fact that they couldn't keep the law. The law was a burden. And then the Pharisees, well, uh, many of the religious uh, aspect of uh, the Jews back in that time, they added more and more and more laws until there were thousands of laws. There were laws governing whether or not you could lift the latch on your door. It would just it just put burdens on people. But all it did was point out to them the fact that they couldn't keep the law. There's no way they could keep the law. It was impossible. The law brought more burdens on people. They were free from legalism. We struggle with legalism today. There are many groups of Christians who live a very legalistic life. And they impose on people, you cannot do this, you cannot do that, you must do this, you must do that. Those are all legalistic things. You know, what does the Bible, what did Jesus Christ teach us to do? Those are the things that we do. And if it's something that some somebody decided, oh, we shouldn't do that, that that's not a part of the gospel. That's not a part of it. That's, that is a burden being put upon us by men, by people. Now, they may be well-meaning men, not saying that they're you know, evil or anything. I'm just saying that whatever they try to impose on you, on us, is just a burden. And it doesn't do anything to bring us closer to God. It doesn't do anything to, to transform us more into the image of God. So, the one thing that Paul preached all the time is that we're free from those things. So when Paul's pointing out, when he's saying, uh, he, he gives that list of sins, you know, that list of, of things that if people are doing those things, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying some of you were in that group before. Some of you were pretty sinful people. 
You were, you were pretty nasty people. You were pretty despicable people. But he says, that's what you were. Now you've been changed. You've been changed from all of that. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You know, we, we, we come into the family of God and, um, you know, maybe, maybe you were raised in a Christian home and you just kind of grew up going to church. You're never really sure when you became a Christian because it, it just, it just sort of happened somewhere in there. Um, there wasn't this big moment that some people have. You know, some people, they, they, they live a, they live a horrifically sinful life up to until they're, you know, some certain age, 30 or 40 or something. And, and then they have this moment and, and they can say, Oh, I remember that moment. But a lot of times Christians don't really have that. If you, if you grew up in a Christian home, you know, you just, you just somewhere in there, you were a Christian. Um, and Paul, Paul talks about that. He says, he says that, um, he says that some of you lived this horrible, sinful life, but you've had, you've, you've changed. Sometimes as Christians, you know, maybe, maybe we grow up in a Christian home and then we have a time in our life when we really withdrew from God. It's not that we didn't, we, it's not that we stopped believing in God. It's not that we stopped identifying as a Christian, but it was a time in our life that was really, really bad and really dark. And, uh, we were a long ways from God. Um, and, and that's, a, that's a time when we look back and we say, this is what we were. But we're not that anymore. We've changed. And Paul was pointing out to these Corinthians this. He says, you know, you were in this group. All of you were a part of this group before, but now you're not. And he's saying, don't go back to what you were. Don't turn back to what you were. Don't leave the progress that you've made. Don't walk away from God. Don't walk away from the things that God's done in your life and go back to that old lifestyle. Don't do that. Paul reminds them of those experiences that have separated them from the pagan world because they lived in the pagan world. But now as a church, they were becoming dangerously close to that dividing line, that dividing line between the pagan world and, and the church, the Christian group. It, it, they, were, they were blurring the lines. It was becoming very indistinct of where the lines are. That's really easy to do, isn't it? It's really easy as a Christian to, to, uh, to get too close to that line. To get to the point where sometimes you might actually be stepping over that line on occasion because you're so close to it. It's better to keep, keep yourself separate. Keep yourself separate from, from the world, from the pagan world. Um, sometimes you have to take steps to do that. You know, you need to have somebody hold you accountable. You need to... Uh, you know, you need to unwire yourself or, or whatever the case may be. But you need to keep that dividing line. That was the, one of the problems that, um, that this Corinthian church was having here. And so Paul was trying to get them to take their calling as Christians seriously. Saying, take it seriously. Don't just be casual about it. It's not a casual thing. It's a life and death issue. You know, it's, it's too often that that um, that being a Christian gets kind of sidelined. It's sidelined as being inconsequential. 
you know, you show up for church on Sunday once in a while and, uh, you know, ask the Lord for forgiveness for your sins, take communion, and you're good for another six months. You know, it's too easy to be too casual about that because our Christian life is the most important thing we possibly could be doing at any given time. That's the part of us that's going to live on forever. Everything else is going to be left behind. Everything else is uh, going to dissolve. It, it all wears down. We leave it behind when we leave this world. But the Christian aspect of us, that's the most important aspect. And that's the part that gets sidelined. That's the part that gets uh, thought of as being inconsequential. Paul described their experience when they became a, a Christian as being washed and sanctified and justified. That word washed is only used one other time in the New Testament. And that's in reference to Paul's own conversion in Acts, where he said, Arise and be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And Paul said that the Corinthians had experienced the same kind of cleansing that he had. Remember, Paul was, Paul was, a, Paul was more than an antagonist against Christians. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. Paul was a murderer of Christians. Paul was hunting Christians down to kill them. That's what Paul was before. So when Paul makes a reference to saying, this is what you were before, Paul has a point of reference. He knows. He knows about having a past. And he knows the change that can come and being cleansed and being changed. And he says, there's no going back. I'm not going back to what I was before. There's, it's only the, way, the only way is forward. I, I can't return to that. So when Paul is talking about being cleansed, he has a reference point for cleansing. Because none of the Corinthians were quite as bad as Paul was. Even though they were bad, they weren't as bad as Paul was. He said, he said uh, that the Corinthians had experienced that same cleansing that they had. And he was admonishing them, don't go back to what you were before. The terms sanctified and justified are really close to, to each other. They mean spiritually set aside by an act of God to be his people and to serve his purpose. Justified is one of Paul's favorite words for what God does to make people his children you're justified. It means that you stand before God being, being clean. You stand before God, God being blameless. You stand before God as though you had lived a, a clean Christian life your whole life. The, the bad things that you did, the things that, that you did that, you know, that you really wouldn't want to have publicized, that you wouldn't want everybody to know about, it, it's like they're gone. That's, that's justification. That's what happens because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died so that we could stand before God being blameless. There's no other way that we could stand before God. God, God would cast us out of His presence. God wouldn't tolerate us in His presence at all, except for Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus has justified us. And we stand before God being being um, innocent, being blameless. But Paul is saying, you can't go back. 
You can't go back to what you were before. You have to move forward. And not only that, you have to grow spiritually. You know, it's too often that, that somebody becomes a Christian and they think it's all done. They think, well, I, I did it all. No, you took the first step. Are you saved? Absolutely. You can't be any more saved, right? You, you can't, you can't, it's not, we don't have degrees of savedness. We don't. But we do have other things. We do have, we have things that God blesses us with as we grow. We have, we have ways that we grow spiritually that allow us to help other brothers and sisters. We have ways that, that we grow spiritually that give us rewards. The Bible talks a lot about rewards. And there's nothing wrong in thinking that you want to do the very best you can so that you have the very best experience that heaven has to, to offer. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not that you're more saved because you grow spiritually. But you don't want to be stagnant spiritually either. You know, sometimes people have a child and, um, and there's something genetically wrong with the, with the child. Or maybe something went wrong during the birth. And that child doesn't grow like other children do. They're, they're just different. They don't, they don't mature and they don't grow. And when you see that, it's not that you don't love them. You love those children. But you look at that child and, and you think it's tragic because that child will never become what they could have been. And as a Christian, you have the same thing. You become a Christian and if, if somebody doesn't grow because of whatever reason, some reason, but they don't grow and, and you think that's tragic because they're not experiencing the same Christian experience that other people do because they're not growing. Sometimes they're not growing because they're not putting forth any effort into it. You know, we live in an agricultural area. We understand that, that you know, when you plant a seed in a field, you don't just put the seed in there and you walk away and you're done. No, there's a whole lot of care that comes along for that seed. There's all kinds of care. You know, guys, guys work you know, all day and all night long, taking care of that seed, wanting it to grow, watering it, fertilizing it, weeding it, protecting it. There's all of those things that come afterward. Our Christian life is no different. God, God puts that in our heart and that we need to take care of it. We need to protect it. We need to feed it. We need to encourage it. We need to enable it to grow. Those are all things that God gives us authority over. You know, if we choose to become a Christian, put that seed in our heart, and we never do anything with it, that's, that's, that's our choice. That's up to us. There's lots of places in Scripture that talks about that very thing. People who get something, you know, the, the guy who got the talent and he didn't do anything with it. He just wrapped it up in a napkin and held on to it. And when, they, when his master came back, he gave it back to him. He said, Here, here's, your, here's your money back. You know, well, that's, that's tragic. And it was a very unhappy master, too. But did that mean that that person who does that isn't saved? No, they're saved. I believe they're saved. There's just no spiritual growth. They're just, they never become what they could be because they, they didn't put forth the effort into it. Being sanctified and justified are very similar. It just means to be spiritually set aside by God. You need to understand that when you become a Christian, you are sanctified. You are set apart. God has set you apart 
for His work. That's the starting point. That's the beginning. And then you move on from there. You know, maybe, maybe you became a Christian when you were very young. And you have, uh, you have, you know, 40 years of being a Christian. And in those years, there were years where you walked very close to God. And there was a lot of spiritual growth. Then there were other years that were stagnant. That they weren't so good. Maybe you became a Christian when you were 70 years old. And you will only have, you know, being a Christian, you, you may have 10 years. You may have 20 years. But you don't have the same length of time that someone who became a Christian when they were younger. But, you know, God can, God can produce the growth in your life just as though you had been a Christian for all those years. It's up to you. It's up to you what you do with that seed that God put in your life. You're going to take care of it. You're going to water it. You're going to fertilize it. You're going to protect it. You know, a lot of, a lot of what we need to do as Christians is protect ourselves. Because the world is so pervasive, isn't it? The world, it's in our pocket. The world is in our pocket. We carry it around on a little device we call a cell phone. It's right there. It's, it's, it's in your face. 24-7 almost. You know, unless you're able to turn it off. Turn it off. Put it away. But you know, we're so interconnected with it. Our work is connected with it. You know, if the, if the phone makes an, a noise or a vibration, it, it could be important and we have to check it. But that's how pervasive the world has become. We carry it around in our pocket. Before it wasn't like that. A lot of us, a lot of you here remember what life was like before the internet. But you know what? There are a lot of young adults today who don't remember they don't know a world where they didn't have the internet and they didn't carry it around in their pocket. They have no idea what that's like. You know, before, if you wanted to block somebody, you just took the phone off the hook and you set it on the counter. Nobody could call you. Now it's much more difficult. You know, they're so interested. I'm gratified that they're so interested in my car warranty. I get calls. I block those calls. Then I get another call from another number. I block that call. It's, in, it's amazing the effort they put into that. But that's the world we live in. We cannot hardly get away from it. 1 Corinthians 12 through 20. All things are lawful to me, but not all things are profitable. All things uh, are lawful, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach. And the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immortality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Now, God has not only raised up our Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her, for he says the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one and spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside of the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body. So now Paul goes back to that theme of the moral lackness that uh, laxness that that the Corinthians had had. They had shifted back to that pagan lifestyle that they had left. Um, there's a general principle there: glorify God in your body. You know, there's there's this tendency. It's that that old Gnostic belief that the body and the spirit are separate, and you can have a holy spirit. You can have a spirit that's close to God, that's walking close to God. But whatever you do in your body is just fine. And that attitude in some ways pervades Christians, doesn't it? You know, there's some people who who think I can just live however I want to during the week. I can do whatever I want to. And I can go to church on Christmas and Easter, take communion, and I'm good for the year. You know, I, I confess my sins and I have a long list of them, but but I'm still good. Paul's saying not so. Not so, because what you do with your body affects your spiritual life. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our, the Holy Spirit lives. The Holy Spirit resides within us. The Holy Spirit is a part of us. And some of those things that we do with our body affect that Holy Spirit. It's, and Paul is saying it's, it's not like food. It's not like you're eating you know, and your body draws out of that food what it needs and the rest of it is just waste. It's not like that because those things go into your body. Those things, those things affect the spirit and they don't leave. They stay there. You know, um, the Bible says that, that when you're married, you, the two husband and wife will join together and be one flesh. And that's God's ordained plan for marriage. That's God's ordained plan for physical intimacy. And that's blessed by God. But if you leave, if you leave that relationship, God's not blessing that. That's, that's, that's a sinful relationship. That's a relationship that will harm the relationship between you and God. That relationship will grieve the Holy Spirit. That relationship would impair uh, whatever God is planning for you, whatever spiritual growth, all things are lawful for me. Paul, Paul is saying that, um, and uh, Paul's Paul is saying, I, I don't live under legalism. I don't live under the law. I live under the law of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides and directs me in what I do. You know, if we if we live with that kind of a closeness with God that kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit, we're not going to do anything that will grieve the Holy Spirit, would we? You know, if you are, you know, inches away from making a decision or doing something, and you you feel a little bit of uh, trepidation in doing that, you feel like, wow, I, I'm kind of uncomfortable with this, you know. Uh, I, I saw it done on the Internet, so maybe it's okay, but I, I really kind of don't feel like maybe, you know, my, I might blow up the house doing this, that very well could be the Holy Spirit telling you not to do that. Because in some way, you will impair the relationship that you have with God. That's, uh, that, that is allowing God to work within us. That's allowing God to direct our steps. You know, if we live with the Holy Spirit in control, in direction of our, of our daily walk, 
our, our, um, our daily decisions, we don't need a law. We don't have to have a law. Can you imagine, like if you were trying to live under that Jewish law, and you had to carry around a book, because there were thousands and thousands of laws, and you're looking it up, you're trying to see, can I do this or can I do that? What day is it? Because some days you could do things, and some days you couldn't. You know, if there's a feast or a holiday, rules are different. Can you imagine that? But no, no, as Christians, we live with the Holy Spirit giving us guidance, directing our steps. And we don't need the law. We don't need to live under legalism. There was a, there were a, two different ways of looking at this thing of what we do with the body. You know, some people were like, oh, I'm going to deny my body anything. You know, uh, and I don't believe, I don't think that people who are like vegans, I don't think that it's really a religious thing for them, but they elevate it to the point of religion, don't they? They elevate it to that point. And, um, and Paul's not saying that. Paul is saying, and, and in fact, Paul was talking about food in a couple of places, you, you know, because the Jews felt like there were things that they couldn't eat. And Paul says, no, no, eat it. Eat it, it's fine, it's just food, you know? And, but, but they were living under the law. They were li- living under legalism. So Paul says, all things are, are legal for me. Um, you know, that law, again, just binds people. It puts people under bondage. Paul is saying, though, I'm free to do everything. I'm free to do all things. But not all things are beneficial. And, and that's where that line comes in. You know, can I do that thing? Yes, absolutely, you can. But is it beneficial? How is it going to help you? And how is it going to help your spiritual growth? How is it going to help your relationship with Almighty God? How is it going to further you on your Christian walk? Because there are some things, there's nothing wrong with those things at all. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just that they don't benefit you in any way. And so you might look at that and say, well, it's just fine if I do that, but I'm going to choose not to because there's something else that I want to do. There's some other thing that I want to put in that place because we all only have a certain number of hours. We have a certain number of hours every day. And I don't know, for me, it seems like the hours get to be less and less as I get older. I think it's just because I run down earlier in the day. I just don't have the energy to get through you know, 18 hours like I used to. So I have fewer hours. You got you to think about how do I want to spend that time? Because I don't have very much of it. Become very aware that you don't have very much time of that. And to, uh, Paul is admonishing the church there. He's saying, choose wisely. Choose what you do wisely. Think about the long-term ramifications of the choices that you're going to make. You know, that theme of freedom is throughout Paul's writing. It goes throughout Paul's writing. But there were some people, and the Corinthians were some of these, they took that freedom to just simply put themselves under another, another, some other bond, some other form of bondage. You know, they were free from this bondage, but they chose to put that bondage on themselves. And Paul's saying, don't do that. Don't put yourself under bondage. Um, you know, sometimes, especially those of us who have grown up as a Christian and, and, uh, and we took that, 
We took that admonition to leave worldliness behind. We took that very seriously. But what we did then was uh, we became proud. We became proud of our spiritualness because we didn't do this and this and this. And we did do this and this and this. And that made us better than other people. That's a, that's a huge danger. You know, that pride can be deadly. Pride can be deadly to a Christian. Pride is not visible like other things are. Well, maybe it is pretty visible. Sometimes it's very visible, isn't it? But, but it's not as visible as someone who is overtly sinning. And you would look at them and say, well, you know, they're a sinner. But the Pharisees were proud. And it was deadly. That, that Phariseeism is still alive and well, unfortunately. The focus of the gospel should be on love, patience, forgiveness, and um, understanding that we stand blameless before a holy God. We're free from the penalty of sin because of Jesus Christ. You know, the reality for Christians is not that we're free to live sinfully, but we're free not to. We're free not to sin because we lived under that bondage of sin for so long where we were compelled to sin. It was a part of who we were, and we're free from that. We need to stay free from that. We need to stay free also from pride because pride is deadly. You know, we have the freedom to... to um, we have freedom in Jesus Christ through love, but there's boundaries in there if we're going to maintain that love, if we're going to maintain that spirit, that uh, relationship with love. Um, we need to create a life. We need to live a life that um, honors God, that honors God and puts our spiritual growth at the top of the list. Paul says food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food. And Paul is saying that there are some things that you do with your body that affect your spiritual life. And you need to be careful about what you do with that. Um, you need to glorify God in all of those things. And recognize that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in verse 15, he says, flee, flee immorality. And that's good advice. That's good advice, isn't it? You know, I've always heard of people who, you know, they want to they hang out with friends who are, living an ungodly lifestyle, and they're saying, well, I'm going to influence them for good. But they don't end up influencing them for good. Their other friends end up influencing them for bad. And they end up worse than they were before. They end up with things that they're trying to deal with and problems they're trying to deal with. You know, flee. The question is, where do we flee? Well, we can flee to our relationship with Jesus Christ. We can take shelter in that relationship. Um, we can find protection from temptations and other things that would impair our relationship with Him. So in a couple of minutes, I'm going to pray. But I'd just like to give you an opportunity, if you're not a Christian, if you've never made a commitment to live a Christian life, and you would like to, I'm going to pray with you. And, uh, you know, I would encourage you that this can be a life-changing moment for you if you... If you pray this prayer, if you take it seriously, um, if you make a commitment to move forward in a Christian life, <clears throat> just pray with me right now if you've never prayed this prayer. 
Almighty God, I do believe in Jesus Christ, Lord. I, I believe that he's our redemption. We know, Lord, that we're sinful people and we're in need of a Savior. And I give my heart and my life to you tonight and I repent. I turn away from my sinful ways and I commit myself to serving you. I want to know you, Lord, in a very real and powerful way. I want to follow you and have God's presence in my life. Forgive me, Lord, for my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And let me know the joy of walking with you throughout my journey on earth and spending forever for you, with you in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.